0: Everybody's competitive, man. No one's a pushover in this league, especially when you get to that level to where you're all-style caliber player, leader of your team. You're not gonna be a pushover and you feel like you're never out of a game. So regardless of what's happening on the court, you're not gonna take any type of, verbal disrespect without saying something back. I think for a lot of players, you're trying to not only psych yourself up, get yourself going because the season is so long, man. You have days where your energy levels are low. Think about like your day-to-day life. Some days you don't feel like going to work but you still have to go perform, put your best foot forward or you'll get embarrassed, so you have to be able to psych yourself up sometime. He was a very, very good trash talker and aggressive, and I hear stories about him doing his research where he would know things about you, things about your upbringing or high school or college or middle middle names, And, and those are the best trash talkers when they really study their subjects. Welcome to the Jackie Robinson episode of Pull Up. That's right, episode number 42. Shout out to Jackie Robinson for all he's done, not only in the sports realm, but in America, outside of sports as well. Appreciate your contributions greatly. I am currently in Phoenix, just wrapped up a back-to-back where we played the Utah Jazz and were victorious and dropped a game to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And what was a very entertaining game. Uh, to play in, and I'm sure it was a very entertaining game to watch as well. Oklahoma City's playing extremely well. Paul George is having an MVP caliber season as well as defensive player of the year type season, leading the NBA in in steals and also leading the NBA in what's considered uh, defensive plus minus, uh, things of that nature. We play the Phoenix Suns tomorrow before we wrap up a three-game road trip, three games in four days. Without further ado, Jordan, were you able to catch any of the games last night?
1: Well, yes, and I specifically caught uh, your game, and I noticed that uh, there was some fun going on between Dame and Russ, and then naturally, our man Nurk had to get involved as well. Did you know what was (laughs) going on during the game? I sensed it um, throughout the
0: game. Obviously, everybody's competitive, and you want to win, and I think that's what's most important for, for everyone involved is... Uh, playing as hard as you can um, and, and trying to win. And I think that, obviously, throughout games, uh, tension rises, anger rises, aggression rises, and sometimes it comes out verbally, and I think it did tonight. So at times it was playful, at times it was serious, but all in all, I don't think it got to the point where it was uh, too disrespectful.
1: Well, I thought it was a little bit disrespectful of Russ to say that he's been busting Dame's ass for years. <laughs> I, I, that's funny. Um
0: Competitive, man. Everybody everybody's competitive. I mean, Dame had
1: thirty-four.
0: Uh, Dame was playing well, Russ had a good game, PG had a good game. I think historically, it's funny. Um, they were going back and forth for a while, but after the game, they kinda, you know, smoothed things over with each other, just basically, you know, letting each other know that they got mutual respect for each other. And I think that's the stuff that doesn't get seen. You hear the talking about what I what I've been doing or what he's been doing, but you don't hear the conversations behind closed doors. But someone on Twitter posted the um the actual head-to-head records uh, between the two of them. I think Dame's 11 and 9 versus Russell Westbrook. So I thought that was funny that um, people started researching their stats head-to-head, kind of comparing you know, their careers through seven seasons, c- c- uh, c- comparing the points per game, the assists per game, the uh, win shares, essentially everything. And then people started posting, like, uh, Dame scored – 11 points or 17 points in, in three minutes. And and then people start researching, you know, favorites on Twitter, like what's he liking lately? And then you go to Dame's likes and he likes the head-to-head 11 to nine, uh, wins, wins and losses in 20 games. So posts, post, uh, he's probably still mad about this. Dame scores 17 points in three minutes. Uh, yeah, in a game on January 10th, 2016. So I thought it was funny all in all. Competitive, Nurk and uh, Russ had a little exchange where Nurk blocks Russ' shot. And, you know, he says, get that shit out of here. And then Russ starts laughing like, ha, 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 ha. And shoots a jumper and, and it almost goes in. I think that he was trying to like, Sarcastically laugh, but the jumper rolled out, and then Nurse goes ha 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 back at him. And you can kind of hear it because the mic caught it. But I loved it. It was, uh, I loved it. It was fun, man. It was a
1: fun environment. Uh, fans came out in full force. It's more fun to me when a footer injects himself into the conversation, and Nurk, especially because he's so funny. And to see him, it was just great. Like, it was so fitting that Nurk did it. And I like. Like I, I, don't understand how how Westbrook can say that, because not only does Dane have the better record, but a lot of the stats are very similar when they go head to head. So I don't, I, I just didn't get like what he was talking about. Yeah, it was, I, I, it didn't make any sense. He's he's just wrong. I think it was just the heat of the moment where you just start
0: talking, and uh, obviously as a competitor, you have the utmost highest level of confidence in yourself, and um, you want to win. And sometimes your confidence gets the best of you. Sometimes uh, you say things that you may may mean or may not mean in the heated battle, but I think overall they have a they have a respect for each other, you know, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what we said. I think they have yeah. a, a mutual respect for each other and that's what's important.
1: At what point did you realize this was going on and did Dame say anything or did you ask him what was going on or at all or no? I seen it. Like, I was there. <laughs>
0: I was there. Obviously, I was there playing the game, but I was close to the action at the free throw line at the end of the game when they, when they were kind of exchanging words. And obviously, he was asked about it by the media and, you know, me just talking to him daily. I got an understanding of what was said and kind of their conversation going back and forth and, you know, how they... You know, had had that mutual respect and kind of talked after like after the buzzer went off at half court. So, I I was able to hear it all and kind of get his feedback. But everybody's competitive, man. No one's no one's a pushover in this league, especially when you get to that level to where you're all star caliber player, leader of your team. You're not going to be a pushover, and you feel like you're never out of a game. So, regardless of what's happening on the court, you're not going to take any type of you know verbal disrespect without saying something back. And I think that's kind of what happened.
1: When's the last time, CJ, that you got into a verbal spat with someone that, you know, lasted more than just like a minute? Like it actually expanded throughout the game.
0: Uh, it's been it's been a little while. I mean, I talk trash sporadically um, throughout games, and I, I probably talk more trash in practice to keep it competitive and to make sure that everybody's going hard and just to kind of take away the monotony of practices and, and playing against the same team over and over again. So that's probably more so when I talk uh, the most trash. But it's been a while, man,
1: since I've had a a back and forth with anyone. You know, certain players, like, they they need that to excel. They used to say that like Michael Jordan, if nobody was talking to him, he would just start talking to himself and start creating these, you know, these sentiments in his mind that weren't necessarily true, but he would do it to motivate himself and I remember in Seattle, like Gary Payton, he would he would just talk no matter what. Like we, we heard a little bit last week from Jay Williams, but like Gary used to talk to his own team, he talked to the refs, he talked to the other team, he talked to himself. And certain players like Gary, for example, or MJ, I think they thrive when there's dysfunction, whereas most people can't thrive in that. But some guys, like they not only do they – doesn't not affect them, it actually helps them.
0: Yeah, I think for a lot of players, you know, like GP and Jordan, you're talking to yourself, you're talking to whoever we're listening, and you're trying to not only psych yourself up, get yourself going, because the season is so long, man. You have a lot of different mood swings you go through. You have days where your energy levels are low. Think about, like, your day-to-day activities and day-to-day life. Some days you don't feel like going to work, but you still have to go perform and perform. Put on a show, put your best foot forward or you'll get embarrassed. So you have to be able to psych yourself up sometimes. Back to back. You might have landed at 230 like we did in Oklahoma. We landed at 230. Get to the hotel, try to get to sleep by, you know, four, four thirty if you're lucky. Quick turnaround for another game. Your energy levels are low. Uh, you, you know you got to be aggressive. You know you're in for a dogfight, so you got to talk. You got to psych yourself up, and I think that's what some of the great players do: figure out ways to get themselves going. The KGs of the world, the Gary Paytons of the world, the Michael Jordans, and at times you'll talk to other players too because you don't really care. You're confident in yourself. You don't really care if that brings out the best or the worst in someone else. You just want to be competitive and you want to get yourself going, and that's the main, the main idea is to put yourself in the right mind frame, physically and mentally.
1: How aggressive or effective a trash talker was uh, Kevin Garnett? he was a very very good trash talker and aggressive
0: and i hear stories about him doing his research where he would know things about you things about your upbringing or high school or college or middle middle names and and those are the best trash talkers when they really study their subjects and have you know plenty of ammo and then there's guys who are just downright vicious you know and it gets personal and they're attacking you personally and, and i think that's when you see some people kind of lose their cool and maybe want to uh, be involved in uh, some extra altercations, so to
1: speak. I feel like we've talked about this a little bit, but just to clarify, are there are there limits to it where if you start to attack family members, like is that the limit you feel like is necessary? Yeah, I feel like some things are off limits, and I think that you've seen that uh, to
0: where guys try to keep it mostly about basketball, You know, try to keep it professional. And when things happen – to where personal relationships are being brought up mothers fathers family members things of that nature i think that's when you see players you know kind of lose their cool at times where you know they're ready to to physically you know put hands on a fan or re- ready to physically put hands
1: on a player or a opposing staff member or something of that nature right um another altercation last night in the association devin booker and gorgie jang and gorgie and him they got into it late Late in the third quarter, Devin drove to the basket, and Gorgie basically elbowed him in the face. Now, I don't know if it was intentional, but after, after that happened, things got a little crazy. Both guys were ejected. Devin had to be restrained um, in the tunnel trying to go after Jang. Um, what Did you catch this, and were you surprised? Because neither one of those guys is known as like a fighter, per se. Uh,
0: I was a bit surprised just because they're both pretty mild mannered, um, calm guys. Booker, he's like a silent assassin. At times he'll talk trash, but it's more so to kind of get himself going. And it's usually in a competitive nature, competitive spirit. Uh, Georgie, dang, he doesn't really talk much at all. So for there have been an altercation, something must have happened. During the game, whether that's a hard foul, a legal screen, or just a, a disagreement that led to them wanting to really discuss some things in the back. And as they said before, they kind of made light of the situation. And Georgie, I think, trying to avoid a fine, simply said that they were trying to exchange jerseys. <laughs> yeah, that uh, was my back. favorite part. But yeah, it's obvious that something happened that that kind of, you know, triggered uh, – a little anger from, from both of them. And I think that the fact that they both were ejected from the game just kind of made things worse because then they started thinking about the fact that the game was over. And now they
1: have nothing to lose, so to speak. Right, right. Um, For what it's worth, I talked to Devin, he said, everything's fine. I, I'm sure, you know, temper has got the best of them in that situation. I don't think it'll hang over. There are certain examples when guys get into an argument or a fight and then it affects them down the road. I don't know if this is be one of those, but do you I mean are, are there examples that you can think of where like I don't know maybe it's Damon Westbrook where when they play each other next, they would both try to before the game make sure you know everything was okay or maybe the opposite they wouldn't talk to each other on purpose, like does that stuff happen or or, or like or do grudges continue to evolve? No, I mean, I think they talked about it after the game um, at half court. I think what's done is done, and as a competitor.
0: You, you go compete and try to win for your team. You're not really worried about or getting caught up in what someone else says or thinks about you. You know what your job is for your team. You know how important you are for your team and your team's success. So you just go out there and be yourself. And I think that's what both players do. Uh, Russell is very unapologetic. He's himself. Uh, at times, you know, he has certain types of responses he uses towards the media. He's been known to ignore media. He's been known to uh, do certain certain types of... Things to where he's just unapologetically himself and he has a slogan, why not? And I think Dame, who's always been, you know, pretty mild mannered and calm, is, is very blunt. You know, when he likes something, he lets you know he likes it. If he doesn't, he says, he says those things and kind of voices his displeasure. And I think that you meet two people like that who are competitive and who aren't afraid of confrontation and not afraid to express themselves, that's what you get. You get a situation where you have two competitors going back and forth and uh, discussing the, some things the way we would discuss them at the park. You know, that's how that's how most pickup games go. I mean, I'm sure you understand uh, what it's like to talk trash to people that you were friends with and people that you may not be friends with or just may even just be associates with. Um, I talk trash to my brother. I would talk trash to my mother in a game of basketball if that's what I wanted to do at that at that point in time.
1: From what I hear, though, uh, Eric has been known to get the best of CJ in one-on-one situations. Is, can you verify? Uh, historically, I mean, I'm sure he's
0: beaten me more times than I've beaten him in our lives because he had a lot of victories from middle school through high school. Okay, since then, though. To uh, my junior, my junior year in college. Since then, since my since my junior year in college, I I win I win more times than he does just because of the 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 size, the skill set, the versatility. I'm a little taller than him, a little bigger than him, so I'm able to kind of get to my spots um and usually come away with the win, but we play best of 7. We yeah. don't just play one game to 11 or anything of that nature. We play best of a set uh, best of 7 series um to 11 win by 2. So, I usually win. I don't know what the series is, but you know, I, I get four games before he does, which is the goal. It's just like a series in the playoffs. You don't really care how you get it done. You just get it done. But he's a quality player, You know, a, a high level athlete, skill set is supreme. I've learned everything from him in terms of mental preparation, physical preparation, how to get reps, how to get to certain spots. I've stolen his moves. I've stolen all his preparation, and not only in, in the sport of basketball, but the sport of life. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunities that he's provided for me. And, and we've continued to empower each other and put ourselves in the best position to have success. And with him turning 31, his birthday was yesterday. Uh, he just turned 31. It's crazy to see how far we've come. And uh, he's, he's having another great year in Russia and leading his team to what what should be another Euro Cup championship.
1: When you go see him, are you... Wh- what do you feel like when you go watch him play in Europe and you guys are that far away from home and all these people, all these you know, Russian kids or Turkish kids know you know know your brother by name. Like is that what does that make you feel like? And it's a it's a dope feeling to just see how far we've come from a, a city of seventy
0: thousand people in Canton, Ohio, to being able to to travel the world and experience, you know, so many different cultures, uh, to meet so many different people from different walks of life and to have those relationships to where um, we have friends all over the globe literally and to be recognized and for him to have that type of recognition in Europe and to be essentially a European legend having won so many scoring titles championships and sustained success at a high level of excellence coming from a small school like ocean College just kind of shows you you know what life can be you know if you work hard you do things the right way and treat people the right way consistently uh, positive things will usually happen in your life at some point and We've been fortunate enough to have good health. You know, he's been able to make a, a great career for himself and a great living. And uh, it, it just brings me joy to see him being able to play basketball at a high level and to see him kind of get the respect he deserves, uh, not only on the 1st and the 15th, but also from a standpoint of being awarded certain things in Europe and having that that fandom to where I take pictures of him for people. A lot of times they give me the camera wow, and uh, I'm the one
1: taking pictures of him. Wow. That's that's pretty cool. Um all right, trade deadline's coming up, fast approaching, February 7th. This feels like, um, every year it feels like there's going to be big names moved, and sometimes there are, and sometimes there aren't. But what is a constant is that players are going to be the subject of of rumors. It always happens, and you're, it's completely out of your control. How much have you learned, CJ, to, to not worry about that and to just keep your head down, and then have have other guys come to you and ask for advice on something like this.
0: Yeah, I think it's just important that you understand it's a business. And I think Mike Conley did a great job of addressing that today when they talked to him about it. It's it's a part of the business. It's unfortunate that it has to happen. Obviously, uh, you never want to see guys get traded or uprooted from, from their homes. A lot of people have families, comfort zones, and you, you're in a situation where, where oftentimes you're happy. But um, it's the sad part of the business to where an organization has to do what's best for them and the players have to do what's best for themselves. And sometimes that that involves a trade to where you lose a teammate, you lose your friend. Um, and having been in the NBA for six years now, I've seen teammates get traded to, to better situations and I've seen teammates get traded to situations where it's not necessarily the best fit for them. But all in all, you just hope that if someone does get moved, um, he hopes to a situation where they can flourish where they can be their best self and uh, display their total game. And I think that no one's really talked about it because we have a pretty mature team to where we understand that, you know, anything is possible, having watched the league and, and seeing some of the things that have happened up to this point. You know, you see uh, obviously the Blake Griffin trade, something that happened uh, in the past season to where a guy signs a five-year deal and they tell him stories about how they'd like to see him hang his jersey in the Raptors and retire as a Clipper. And then four months later, he's traded to the Detroit Pistons. So, uh, things happen in this business. DeMar DeRozan gets traded as well. You know, after being promised uh, to be a staple uh, in Toronto's history after a 10-year, 11-year career, um, it happens. You just have to be able to move forward, uh, stay positive, and control the controllables.
1: Has anything ever happened on the, at the deadline where you one of your teammates was moved though, and you were really surprised because you didn't see it coming? Uh
0: Yeah, I mean, I didn't think Will Barton was going to get traded. I didn't think Thomas Robinson was going to get traded. Um, I didn't think Noah Vonley was going to get traded. Um, I didn't think Blake Griffin was going to get traded, you know, having the same agent and, and, and being friends with him and having that relationship. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some more surprises uh, this upcoming uh, trade deadline, not, uh, not necessarily with our team, but I think across the league, I think there's going to be some movement, uh, whether that be players, picks. Uh, monetary value something's going to happen obviously Carmelo anthony's a free agent as well so something could happen for him during the trade deadline but i just think that it's sad man i don't think people realize what it's like to turn on the tv and hear rumors about you getting traded like imagine you work for espn right there's rumors that espn's may not necessarily be happy with uh, your production and they start comparing you to other players and, and saying who you should be traded for or you take another job like apple or google and they start comparing, you know, coworkers together and, and saying like what their salaries are, how much they make, how much they think yeah. they should make and what type of trade pairings uh, should be offered for them to, to leave Google or to leave Apple. I think we're the only world in sports to where your salaries are made public, your value is is criticized often and you have to be strong. You have to be strong skin, you have to be strong mentally to be able to listen to people, you know, essentially uh, overvalue or undervalue your your level of professionalism from a sense yeah. of how you produce on the court, how you produce on the field, what your value is. I think this is the only only world to
1: where your value is literally talked about every day. I can't imagine it because, you know, you, you always have that, like, you know where you're at individually. You, you know if you're doing a good job. You know if you're working hard um people you know can always can pretend that that they're doing something they're not but ultimately your work will show and if you feel like you're doing everything possible to perform at a high level whether it's as a professional athlete or as a journalist or anything else and it's still not enough or if it, you know it's it's not satisfactory then that that is like the ultimate uh insult or you know hard pill to swallow because if you feel like you're putting everything in and it's not enough, I don't know what else you can possibly do. Now, the other side of it, if you get traded, is to say, well, another team wants me. And maybe that can that can be uh a point of solace. I don't know. But for a young player, I can imagine it's extremely hard. And like just talking to to uh to Taylor Griffin, actually, Blake's brother, they were so blindsided by that that it was almost like they could not believe it because they had been assured and told that he was not being moved, and then he was obviously moved. So that happens, and it happens with superstars. So I can imagine it's it's never really easy. Yeah,
0: it's never really easy because you have to uproot yourself from one place you've been comfortable, five, seven, ten years in one place, driving the same drive to the practice facility, going to the same restaurants, and having relationships with staff, with the front office. It's a, it's a tough transition to make, but... At the same time, like you said before, having value is important. So to have value and for someone else to to see value in you and want to to have you uh, as a part of the organization just kind of shows you that there are some positives to it because it could be worse. You could be in a position where no one wants you. And if no one wants you, I think that's a that's a problem.
1: I feel like I've that I've I've experienced that before. <laughs> no one wanting you, having no value. <laughs> no, you know, like it's it can be a lonely uh business for journalism. Sometimes you feel like, you know, it's just like it's never you're never gonna get that big break, you know, you're never gonna get that big that big paycheck or whatever it is that motivates you. And uh, I feel like, um, you know, any anything worth doing is is gonna be a grind. So you're just gonna have you have to put your head down like you have obviously and and put the work in. J- just on that uh, token, on that sentiment, um, I was talking to Chris Brickley, who obviously you've worked with a lot. How many hours you guys have worked with Chrisy Three, four years, five years? Yeah, on and off probably like th- three, yeah, three, four I, years, he, something like that. It, he told me something interesting that I thought was worth repeating um, just to get give a, a perspective of, of the work you've put in, which is that in all his years, he's never, ever had you cancel a session. Like, And he says you're the one guy, like if, if you say you're going to be there to work, you always come, you always show up, and you always put in the work, whereas like a lot of guys um, want to be like that, but they're just not ready to be held accountable. And he made it a point to tell me recently that um, you were that one dude who always showed up. So I I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I've always been consistent with my approach and my work ethic, and
0: regardless of the results, um, I I know that I spend a lot of time dedicating myself to this game, uh, watching film, showing up to the gym early, leaving late, uh, getting treatment, getting massages, you know, going to float, cryo, acupuncture, stretching, just uh, a lot of the little stuff, making sure you get seven to nine hours of sleep just because we have this small window to play basketball. We have this small window to capitalize on uh, the game we love and to be able to play in your prime, ex- expand your prime or extend your, your prime as long as possible is essential to how you live day to day. And I've always approached my, my life the same, you know, take, it, take advantage of each day, work hard. If you say you're going to do something, do it. You know, be a man of your word. And I've, I've tried to, to do those things. And I think it's it's turned out in my favor more times than not. More show in a minute. But first, support for Pull Up with CJ McCullough comes from Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your very own professional website. Choose a template you love and customize it by adding your own text, images, and video. With hundreds of intuitive design features, you can tell your story exactly the way you want. Want even more for your website? You can easily start a blog, launch an online store, or create an event. Share everything in a click on social media and drive even more traffic to your site with SEO tools to get found on Google. Wix has all the tools you need to create the exact website you want. You can even create a beautiful website while listening to this podcast. Over 140 million people choose Wix to create their website. Create yours today. Get started now by going to Wix.com. That's W-I-X.com slash pull up to get 10% off.
2: Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash audio. Visit IXL.com slash audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
0: Okay, back to the show. Not to change subjects, but I was literally just watching ESPN, and they keep showing that play uh, from the game to where the New Orleans Saints receiver is running up the field about to catch the ball, and he gets blasted by a Rams DB. I don't think we talked about this offline, so I had to bring it up to you on the fly to get your raw response to that lack of pass interference call.
1: CJ, I thought it was the worst uh, call or non-call that I've ever seen. I mean, obviously, the stakes of the game, NFC Championship, and really, realistically, had that call been made um, against Roby Coleman, they would have... New Orleans would have run the clock out and kicked a 30 35 yard field goal there in the Super Bowl. Uh all things I mean like unless something crazy happened. And so for that not to be re- reviewable on the field is just incredible to me. So I was really disappointed as an NFL fan. Yeah, it was it was one of the worst calls I've ever seen and I think that what makes things worse is
0: that you know the players have to go home knowing that there was a call that literally could have changed the outcome of their season. They could, they could have went from potentially going through the Super Bowl and potentially winning the Super Bowl to never really finding out what truly could have happened. And it's along the lines of understanding the rule book, understanding the, the time and score of the situation, and to see certain players across the league, you know, try to get the protest going. Obviously, one of the best receivers in the NFL. I'm sure you've seen his posts. Uh, there's a, a certain... Part in the rule book to where if you if you want to, the commissioner can essentially appeal and schedule a replay and have them replay the game out from that point in the game. And obviously, it's up to Roger Goodell and his discretion. I don't think it's going to happen. But as of yesterday, there was over 600,000 signatures signed for the petition to replay the game from that point. And it all started from the great Malcolm Thomas, one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver.
1: Mike, Michael Thomas. In the NFL. Yes. Yeah, well, he's 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 incredible. Unfortunately, he had 36 yards. I said Malcolm. I'm sorry. <laughs> I
0: said Malcolm. That's is okay. My pet.
1: Michael. That's okay. <laughs> well, but he's the one. He was like the one guy you knew would produce, and and yeah, he had 36 yards. The running backs, Kamara and and Ingram, were held under 50. There's obviously other circumstances that matter in this game, but the fact that that Coleman knew CJ, he knew he had a PI, and it wasn't called. You could almost see him being like shocked that that, play, that that flag was not called. Yeah, it was it was a tough play, and I think that a lot of
0: Ram, Rams fans will say that, look, they missed a face mask on our quarterback. Uh, Goff got face masked uh, close to the end zone or around the, around the red zone area, and it wasn't called. You know, so refs are going to miss calls. It, it happens. It just, it's just very unfortunate when they play a big factor in a game, and uh, the opposite of a, a missed call is the right call. You look at the Patriots game, they missed a call on the roughing the passer to where Tom Brady clearly was not hitting in his helmet. He was not struck. Uh, the guy kind of hit him in his chest. Roughing the passer, first down. Yeah. Um, then the next play, or a few plays later, there's an all-size Against, called with uh, his interception.
1: yeah, D. Ford. That was a killer. Yeah, that,
0: that changes the game. If he doesn't line up in the neutral zone, that game is over. And Tom Brady's legacy, which is already set in stone, isn't expanded to even further, you know, the, obviously he's considered the greatest quarterback of all time. He has a chance to win six Super Bowls. This will be his ninth uh, appearance in the Super Bowl. But he doesn't even get a chance to make the Super Bowl if the guy doesn't line up in the neutral zone. So it's just kind of crazy how life works and how certain plays, certain things that happen throughout a game kind of affect uh, the future
1: and history. There's so little room for error in football. It's a one-game series. You, you get one game, and and for a guy like Drew Brees at 40 years old, he's had you know perhaps the best season of his career – Obviously, he's won a Super Bowl, but um, this was this was supposed to be his next opportunity. And who knows if we'll ever get another one. It's got to be debilitating. It's got to be. And then you look at the the Chiefs, they don't even get a chance to get the ball. I and mean,
0: people want to reevaluate the rules uh, in overtime to where if Patrick Mahomes gets a chance to get the ball in overtime, it's literally a coin flip beside his fate. Imagine if they would have got the coin flip. He gets the ball. He changes the kind of the course of history because I think he's good enough to drive down the field and score a touchdown.
1: I think the bigger thing with Kansas City is just that their defense just got worse and worse and they got exposed. And obviously, like, we have we have Tom Brady who's this legend of, of the game and is going to go down as probably the, the best quarterback ever. And to see what he did was it doesn't it does not take anything away from it but i i do i do wish that the NFL overtime rules were different i really do because to see mahomes like the fact that we as fans didn't get to see that is just so unfortunate i i don't know if it's if it's worth changing them to the college rules or whatever it is but you got to have it's better than it was uh when it was just a field goal and a team could go 25 yards but but to not, have, to not give Mahomes an opportunity is is shameful. Yeah, it is. And I think that's something that they'll also
0: revisit, you know, as the game continues to evolve. And as obviously they made changes to the kickoff, they made changes to the extra point. There's slight changes that, that are a part of the game evolving, a part of players getting better, a part of players continuing to evolve and, and, and play calling in the style of play. So I'm sure that's something that they'll consider um, at some point.
1: Yeah, I just like the Rams have to feel like they they got a gift. Like this was like the 19 um 86 Maradona Maradona Argentina Hand of God kind of play. I mean, this was completely inexcusable and it really does the the, the big picture here is it begs the question of whether or not we can make pass interference, which is the most subjective call. It's like the it's like kind of like a block charge in basketball. Most subjective call in the sport if we can make it reviewable, at least in under two minutes or in playoff games or something. Because we all know, everybody and their mother knows that was the wrong call, and yet we couldn't do anything about it. So that's the bigger question to me.
0: Yeah, that's a huge question. And my question for you is, who are you taking in the Super Bowl?
1: Well, you know, before the playoffs, I picked the the Rams. That was my pre-playoffs pick. So if we want to... If you would like to buy me another case of wine and you want the Patriots, I will give them to you. I'm waiting for the
0: spread to come out, but I'm not betting against Tom Brady. Uh, I know the the Rams are a good team. They spent a lot of money this summer, and it paid off. They have a great defense. They have a lot of versatility around the uh, offense. Great play caller in Sean McVay, who, believe it or not, had a great high school highlight. They were running the triple option in high school. He looked very fast and explosive. Uh, Spent some time. In the Mac, and uh, Miami, had some Ohio. success. Actually, is young enough to have played against Julian Edelman, which is crazy to think about uh, as a head coach in the NFL. But I think that uh, the health of Todd Gurley will play a factor. I'm not sure he's healthy, and you know, based on how he was utilized and how much they went to C.J. Anderson. Um, throughout the playoffs so far, I think that he needs to make sure he's healthy, and uh, his workload will, will be determined upon how successful they are.
1: And of all this, that might have been the oddest thing. You have one of the best, what five players in the league, regardless of position, and they were going to CJ Anderson. It, it didn't make any sense. I know I we had a couple bad drops, but it's almost like they're selling it as a, as an injury. I, I was shocked. Like I was, I kept saying, like, "Where's Gurley? Where's Gurley? Is he really hurt?" So I can't imagine that the Super Bowl will be anything similar because you have this incredible game-changing player, and, and he was an afterthought. Do you actually think he was hurt, or, or was this something bigger?
0: I think that something's definitely bothering him. There may be a lingering injury involved. But at this point in the season, everyone's hurt, and I think that you have to make a conscious decision on who gives you your best chance of winning. And C.J. Anderson has been terrific. He's been balling out uh, this playoff season. Obviously, you'd like to give the ball to them. The highest paid running back in the league, who is arguably the best and most versatile running back in the league. But if someone else is getting the job done, you have to look at, you know, team success, what's happening out there, split the carriers, do whatever you have to do to get through that game. But I think that there's something definitely bothering him because he his ineffectiveness showed, and I think that he's way too good of a player to have a, a game like that in that moment. I think that he'll bounce back in the Super Bowl.
1: So what would have been the if, if you had your druthers, would you have preferred to see Breeze, Bra- uh, Breeze Brady in the Super Bowl? Or are you happy with with Goff Brady? Or would you have preferred Goff Mahomes? Like, it's not that we could go wrong, but I'm just expanding on how badly I feel for Breeze. Perfect world, I'd take a Manziel and whoever.
0: <laughs> Man- Manziel, oh wow. Yeah, we're taking it back. We'll take Manziel. But since we can't do that anymore, in an r- extremely perfect world, we're taking Baker Mayfield in the Super Bowl. That would be like the best thing. That would be the best thing ever. How about
1: Brandon Weeden?
0: Brandon Brandon Whedon, I would I wouldn't mind minded Brandon Weeden Super Bowl some years ago, man. That would have been nice too. But based on where we're at right now, I think Baker's the future. And I'm going on record, man. We're getting the playoffs next year. We're going to get in the playoffs next year. Okay. I said we win more than six games, seven, eight, seven, eight games And the next year. We're going to be in that 9-10 range, wow. getting to the playoffs.
1: Wow. Well, the he's uh, got to stay healthy. The Browns are like. Out of every team in the league, every young team, with the exception of a few like KC and, and the Rams and like the Browns are right there. So there's a lot to be excited about. I do think you need another receiver, and I think you you need to continue protecting Baker Mayfield. Um, but there's a lot to like about the Browns. So I, I commend you for your confidence. I I don't know if uh they can win ten. I think I think they can I, nine or ten. I I guess that's feasible. They're very young, though. See, we are we are an extremely
0: young team. However, based on the the strides we've made, the gains we've made, the changes we've made within the within the offense and the organization, Freddie Kitchens. You know, you got Juice going through a full training camp with Baker as a starter. You got a rookie running back who has had essentially the best year since. I don't know, Jamal Lewis. That's the best running year we've had from a running back since probably since probably yeah. Jamal Lewis. Maybe uh Peyton uh, Hillis. Yeah, Peyton Hillis probably went over a thousand or close to a thousand as well. That's probably the last thousand yard rusher we've had. Um we still have some money to work with. We got another draft coming up. There's some things that we can do to kind of expand not only our offense but our defense. And think about what we what we were able to accomplish with you know our best pass rusher, you know, going through some injuries throughout the season. You know, some controversial games to where we miss extra points, you know, tightened up special teams, you know, being able to make field goals, a roughing the passer call that, that shouldn't have been called that cost us the Steelers game. There's a lot of things that happen throughout a season that kind of shape you and uh, help remake you for the future. And I think some of the losses we went through, some of the heartache, some of the struggles we've gone through historically have prepared us to overcome the youth and get to nine or ten wins.
1: You're such a media professional. You really know how to spin it. <laughs> That's just how I feel, man. Yeah, I mean, That's how I they, feel, honestly, man. I feel
0: like we're they, in a position where we uh, No, I grown. know it
1: is, and I love it, and I love your passion. The division
0: isn't where it used to be, and if A.B. leaves the Steelers, Le'Veon Bell's gone. I like our chances. I like our chances. All right. We'll have more show in a minute, but first I want to tell you about Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon's mission is simple. To make sure all your basics and beyond are smartly designed and shopping for them is easy and convenient. And frankly, Mack Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. Mack Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Mack Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants, and more that you will ever wear. They have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial which means they eliminate odor. I didn't know what that meant either. They want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it and they will still refund you, no questions asked. Not only does McWeldon's underwear, socks and shirts look good, they perform well too. It's good for working out, going to work, going on dates, everyday life. I hopped on the site and in a few minutes I got myself some gloves and socks, the essentials. You can never have too many pairs of socks And it's really cold outside right now, especially when we're traveling. So the gloves have been great, beyond great for me. I'm looking forward to wearing them both. For 20% off your first order, visit macwelding.com and enter the promo code ACTION at checkout.
1: All right, let's get back to pull up. By the way, uh, I turned thirty three Monday, so I'm officially, well, officially old. If I wasn't before, um, however, I, I did. What are you, a Capricorn? Uh, Aquarius, right on that, right on the, on the, on the line. I did notice. Oh, you,
0: oh, you still in the border?
1: Yeah, I'm on the border, but I, I, I did notice that you, uh, you were, you were in quite. You took a, a real interest and in liking to my uh, shooting clinic I performed last week that I posted on uh, Instagram. Oh, my goodness. I just want to publicly once again say that I have challenged CJ to a uh, to shooting contest, and he continues to uh, to dodge me.
0: He has. However, I'm, I'm in the middle of a season traveling.
1: <laughs> can you just come to New York for, like, on an off day and just shoot with me, man?
0: I'm gallivanting across the globe, and he wants me to do a shooting contest in the middle of... <laughs> we just did seven and nine days, seven and 11 days. I
1: want to get you while you're tired. No
0: chance we're doing a shooting contest right now. But I will beat the brakes off of you at some point. I, I can assure you of that. I will at some point, for sure. Well, listen, um it'll be my pleasure and I have to order you some wine. Um I haven't forgotten.
1: That's okay. No, take your take your time on the wine. Takes me
0: the name of what you want again and, and and I will have
1: it ordered. No problem. Take your time on the uh, on the wine. And we'll we'll also explore a super bowl next week. Uh quick quick question for you. If you were um if you were building a franchise and you had one player to start with, can I assume that it would be Baker Mayfield then, or would you go Mahomes or somebody else?
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. That's that's like trying to choose between your kids. Like, what's your favorite? I know. You know that's that's a little hard. Let's exclude Browns players. Taking Browns okay, yeah. players no out Browns. of the
1: equation. no Browns. No
0: Browns. I mean, I think it's you have to go with a quarterback. Um, I really like Baker a lot, but taking Browns players out of it, Looking across the league at quarterbacks. I mean, I think, I think Mahomes next. I think he's next up. That's why Brady had that private conversation with him after the game. He has a strong arm. He has moxie. He's able to get, get around and move in the pocket. He can throw a sidearm. He can throw across his body. He can take a hit. He has a little bit of, uh, uh, escapability, uh, kind of like Aaron Rodgers, to where he can run. He doesn't like to run, but he can run if necessary. So I, I think that looking at him, there's a reason why they say he's he's up for a two hundred million dollar deal in 2020. Um, he's he's the he's the real deal. He's legit, and he's only 23 years old.
1: Not only is he legit, but he's um, he makes throws that you would expect out of a seasoned veteran with those like side arms and like the one he had on on uh, third and short where he threw deep. To Watkins, like these are just throws that most players, young players especially, wouldn't even dream of making, and he's got that that natural like swag and leadership and talent. So I, I'm with you on Mahomes, um, but I do I do think that Golf as well is is spectacular. I did think he got, got a little bit nervous against New Orleans. I know that he he got the win and he led him late, but he he did look a little a little bit shaky. I, 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 that's my one concern in the Super Bowl. Just Just throwing that out there as well, because uh, he's going to have to put up points. Yeah, I think he's good, but
0: I think he's no—he's not messing with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's a good player, quality player, but Mahomes is on on another level. I think he's on another stratosphere, honestly. Big arm ability, all those things that he has, I just don't see it.
1: I'm with you. Um, All right, well, should we do some wine action? We should do some wine.
0: Cue the wine music, please. Uh, My homies were in town... About a week ago, about a week ago. Shout out to my guys Trey Hearn. I know he listened to the pod. Shout out to my guy, Trey, AKA Frederick. Shout out to my guy, D-Tuck. I know he's not listening to the pod because he's not a supporter, but we'll get him there. Um, Trey wanted some wine, you know, before, I can't remember what game it was, but we were watching uh, a new Netflix show called You, which is crazy. I recommend you watch it for sure. It's an insane. Oh, that show's crazy. So I had him go to the cellar while I had my Norma Tech on and he grabbed in Albert, I don't know how you say it. A-U-B-E-R-T. Albert, Albert, how do you say that? How do you pronounce that? A-U-B-E-R-T. Anywho, I never heard of it. It's a really, really good Pinot from the Sonoma Coast. Um, Great ratings, really, really good ratings. It was smooth. Uh, We drank it without any food. And I really enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. He enjoyed it as well so much that he downloaded the app which we use to kind of check out ratings, check out how versatile some of these wines are. And he said he was adding it to his list. It's a bit on the expensive side, Uh, depending on what app you want to buy it from. It was a 2012 CIX Pinot priced at 185, among the top 1% of wines in the world. A bit on the bold side, smooth as ever. It was one of the more smooth wines I've had. I would compare it to the Ferrari of Pinot Noir's. Uh, Jordan's familiar with the Ferrari Pinot's as well. Ooh, I like it. But most people said that they tasted a little bit of cream, butter, cigar, oak, and I tasted more so the earthy and charcoal and stone side because I thought it was very smooth and a little on the acidic side, but I loved it. I will add it to your care package since uh, I already owe you so much wine, so much wine.
1: Ooh. Oh, wow. Okay. I am... I appreciate that. I uh, I also went to California, um, expensive as well. Kistler the 2014 Pinot, it was fantastic and um, it was like pretty light, you know, kind of like your classic California Pinot. Um, the alcohol wasn't as high, which I liked, and uh, it was pretty creamy, I guess you could say, and light, uh, and it was just great. It was pricey, 150. Um, but well worth the price of admission, and I shared it with some friends who, who, who everybody liked it. However, I did have one person that said it's no literai, and as you know, I'm a big literai guy, so um, it was good though, very good. That's good, man. You said Kistler, K I F T L E R S. K I S T L E R, and uh, they have some other ones that are in the 300 plus range. This Pinot was, like I said, 150 and. Uh, not quite a perfect rating, but pretty high. I've had some Kifsler before. Uh, I had it on my birthday, but it was an
0: older bottle. But that, that's one of my faves. I'll have to add some more of those to the cellar. I appreciate you sharing that for sure. That was quite delightful. <laughs> and I will recommend some cheaper wines.
1: Yeah, we got to... And by I, cheap, I like mean
0: one- less expensive wines next week. Yeah. Because we don't we don't drink cheap wine.
1: That's like the only criticism I get is people say... The wines you're, you're you're listing are consistently expensive. We, we have had some really good ones like in that forty to sixty range. Yeah, that River
0: Marie is is in that forty to sixty range. Uh, some of the Pinots I drink out in Oregon. Yeah, exactly. Start in the forty to sixty range, and, and then you. It's the, the problem is that we like the older vintages or the great years vintages to where right. the price drives up. Right.
1: As my parents would say, you can find great value if you explore the different regions of the world. We are specifically going Pinots in Sonoma. That's like our, our go-to area other than Willamette, and they're going to be expensive there. So right. You can find other other real value. We'll have to incorporate more uh you know, functional wines. I'm going to start with Incorporated Burgundy. Well, that's going to get Burgundy really pricey. Out there now. That's what I'm going to incorporate. That's going to get really pricey. As the kids say, YOLO. <laughs> you
0: can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, backslash Pull Up with CJ, or wherever you get your shows. And don't forget to
1: pull up.
0: Pull up.